Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Now, if you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. Or you can go to wengardministries.org and click GIVE. And then when you're there, you can check out the various projects that we're working on and be asking the Lord if there's a spot where He wants you to sow financial seed. We've had some large donations coming recently with more on the way, and I am praying a hundredfold return on every seed sown. Be part of the work that God is doing through Wengard Ministries. So, my last posted recording was from a live event where I spoke about spirit, soul, and body, and the recording ended kind of abruptly because our camera died. But if you missed it, be sure to go back and watch the message. Uh, there's the heart of the message is really, it will change your life. It really is something that has changed my life and so the lives of so many people. Allow this message to go in and inform you, show you who you really are by the mirror of God's Word. Now today, the Lord has put it on my heart to continue what I started several weeks ago. In that message, I asked the question, what is prosperity? And today, I want to compare the plans of the World Economic Forum with God's kingdom plan for you. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, why are you bringing in current events into a discussion about the timeless truths of God's Word? I'll tell you why. Because at some point, we need to make the correlation and the application of these truths into how they affect and change our current events. See, it is up to us, the children of God, to change the current events. Now, when I started writing and preaching these messages to the groups that we have here and overseas, the world actually felt more steady and predictable, kind of as it had been for, for decades at least. Now, I'm seeing, though, that the things that I had been looking to for stability were actually more unstable than I realized. Much of the evil being perpetrated on the world has been in the works for a while, actually for quite a long time. In fact, if we're willing to see it, we could probably find evidence of evil influence in each one of our lives. But this does not mean that we submit to evil or that we fear it in any way. See, we have been enabled to walk through every wall to cast into the sea every mountain or obstacle that has been placed in our way. See, we are free, and God wants us to live that way. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, I want to quote the founder of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. He said this, he said, By 2030, you will own nothing and be happy about it. Now, there's a lot more that he said, but that phrase alone has, it's been quoted quite a bit, but I don't know how that statement hits you, but I, I got pretty angry when I heard it, and I was just thinking, what a fool he is to presume that, that it's even a possibility, or that people won't revolt against it, unless, I guess, people have somehow become his slaves. See, that's what it makes you feel like. 
it makes you feel like someone else is controlling you. Then I realized, hmm, much of the world actually is enslaved to either poverty or debt. If you have no visible way out of the situation that you find yourself in, what would stop you from taking the offer of debt cancellation or of a a government meeting all of your needs? Why would you not take that offer if if you don't know another way out, if you can't see a way through the bondage that you're currently in? Now, here is where I want to compare and kind of contrast the laws and plans of God's kingdom with what the world has to offer. See, God is your father, and he has so much more in store for you. God has retained the ownership of the universe and of everything in it. So the reality is you already own nothing. And Mr. Schwab, no matter what, you also own nothing. However, we have been given stewardship and management of everything that God owns. He says, all that I have is yours to use. Take dominion and rule it as I would. After all, you're my child. See, when someone wants to take dominion and rule, for selfish reasons, they're not ruling as God would. But in the kingdom of God, the laws of the kingdom, we look at how God rules and then we take management authority over it. So now I'm going to ask the question again that I asked before in the previous message. What is prosperity? I'm going to answer it even more simply than before. This is what I believe the answer is. Prosperity is proper management of all that God has. It's as simple as that. You can try to make it complicated, but prosperity is proper management of all that God has. When you properly manage the wealth of the richest king in the universe, uh, I promise you, you will have more than enough for yourself and for those around you. So you're not managing someone's wealth who doesn't have much. This is the richest king in the universe. There was a time in my life when it, it really didn't matter how excited I was about some new direction that the Lord was giving me. I would get excited about it, but regardless of the enthusiasm or the opportunity, my dominant thought was this. How can I afford to do this? I would, I would get to struggling with, it's not even possible. But isn't that the question that most people face at some time or another? No matter how wealthy you are, God will give you a dream bigger than your bank account. If it's not bigger than your bank account, it's probably not from God. Now, I've gone through a process over the last several decades, and I can say that my heart is now at rest. My trust is in the Lord. I have quite a few stories of things that I've gone through. Now, I continue to learn. I promise you that. You should also continue to learn. But when I look at the things that God has put on my heart, I actually don't feel fear about the provision for them. Now, I'm not saying that I always have an unlimited supply of money just pouring in every day, but I am saying that I have come to a place where I know that God will somehow bring the money needed to accomplish his instructions. I am no longer limited by money, and that is very freeing. This, Mr. Schwab, I am very happy about. I am not limited by money. 
So what does it mean to be a, a good steward? Isn't that the wording that Christians have used when talking about money management? When the decisions and the direction that we take are controlled by whether or not we have the money, we, we need to stop and evaluate exactly why. When we think of stewardship, I was taught growing up that being a good steward is um, being a frugal money manager, kind of stretching the money, pen, uh, pinching the pennies, paying less for something than what it's worth. But being a steward is actually just doing what the king says with his stuff. A steward is the one who listens to the heart of the king. Now I want you to look at what Jesus said about managing money. I'd like to read Luke 16, uh, verses 10 through 14. And this is a longer story, so I'm sure you've heard the story, but I'm just going to read what Jesus said about it. He says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I'm going to include verse 14 here because it was about the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, also heard these things and, and they derided him. The one translation says the Pharisees who were covetous. It's usually the ones who love money who get the most upset when a preacher talks about money. But people have used these verses in just basically saying, uh, if you're faithful in that which is least, then you will be given more. They've used it to say that it it's, has to do with authority and responsibility, that as you are faithful through doing small things, that God will increase your leadership responsibilities. Now, it might be true that with faithfulness, God will increase your responsibility, but that is not really what Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about the, the unjust steward, the, the steward that wasted his master's money. It was about money. So that should be our primary focus. When we are looking for understanding, we need to look at the context. What was he saying? Now, Jesus is saying that the least area of trusting God is in money. What an amazing statement that is. Now, I know that that is probably contrary to the way that most believers think. They, they would say that uh, money may not even apply, or may, maybe it, it, every person has a different experience with uh, what area this, how this applies to your life. But when Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon, and he says, if you are unfaithful in that which is least, who will entrust to you the true riches? Mammon represents the control that money has over most people. See, mammon and control are pretty synonymous. I've heard teachings that mammon is money, and I've heard people teach mammon is not money. It's a, it's a demonic spirit controlling money. Either way, your heart is the determining factor in how money affects you. See, the money is not really the, the issue here. It's your heart. 
Notice in verse 14, and remember the, the Pharisees that were covetous? It was the condition of their heart that determined how they responded to Jesus. The, the true question of the heart is, what are you trusting? Or who are you trusting? So many times we seek the thing that will answer our problem or situation immediately. But God is asking us to seek first his kingdom, and then we will find the answer to our situation. Let's read about that in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Again, this is a familiar story. But verse 19 of Matthew 6, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I find it interesting that he uses the word treasure. So what do you think of when you think of a treasure? I mean, I think of pirates going after hidden treasure, think of a treasure hunt, something that you, you, you find clues, you go after it, and, and there's a reward at the end. And it's worth it. A treasure is definitely something that's worth seeking. It's not just a small amount. So how do we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? It's a big question, and it, when we can learn that, we can then begin to access the treasure that we have laid up. So I want to keep reading in Matthew 6. I want to read verses 25 through 33. He says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. See, Jesus gives us the clues of how to access the wealth of the kingdom, how to access what he has for us. And it begins by not worrying. See, when we worry, our faith actually goes into effect and begins exercising itself to bring the negative to us. Worry is simply faith in the wrong direction. God really wants to give you everything that you need, but he's not free to do so until you trust him completely. See, it is your trust, it's the condition of your own heart that frees him up to be able to do this. Do you see here that this, this whole question of stewardship and ownership and, and, and needing things, whether it's a vision that, that we have in our heart or it's actual daily provision, 
It's all about a question of trust. So seeing God as your source doesn't mean that you sit at home and do nothing, though. You are supposed to work, but you need to recognize that even though you work, it is God who gives the increase. See, a farmer has to prepare the soil and plant seeds in order to get a crop, but it was God who created the natural laws that govern sowing and reaping. God sends the rain and the sun that makes plants grow, and he gave the land to farm on, and also he's the source of the farmer's health. Also, it's the blessing of God that makes it possible for you to prosper, and the foundation of prosperity is seeing yourself as a steward. See, we have to function in the laws of the kingdom, not outside of them. Remember, true true prosperity must begin in the heart, or we will not be equipped to steward any of the true riches. God wants to take you from serving a system of debt and poverty to trusting Him to accomplish everything that he has put on your heart to do. Trust me, this will be much bigger than anything that you could consider on your own. You will never be able to outdream God or outthink God or out uh, uh, vision God. See, Klaus Schwab and all of the so-called elites, they are trying to gain world domination and control through what they're calling the Great Reset through a system of deception and and manipulation and control. But what they don't realize, though, is that they are more in bondage than the millions of people that they are trying to enslave. Remember, you already have a position of authority as a child of God, and nothing can ever take that away from you. Do what God says to do with the treasures that he has entrusted to you, and you will begin to manage a wealth portfolio that looks more and more like your father, the king. Agree with him and prosper. Do what the king says. Manage the wealth of the king. Walk in balance and abundance, in line with the word of God and with the laws of his kingdom. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.